Skype Jam. Skype Jam. Hello, hello. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me okay? I can. Can you hear me? Yes, it's perfect. Oh. Well, let's dive in. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's do it. I'm a little bit, I'm a little excited. I've never done anything like this before. <laughs> <laughs> we hadn't either, and we've somehow figured out the technology. <laughs> so. Well, I'd love to start with, for those who didn't attend the webinar or don't know a lot about your work, uh, tell me about who you are, what you do, and what led you to the nonprofit space. Yeah. Um, so my name is Katrina and right now I work with an organization called Mama Hope. Um, I'm the communications manager and, um, I think the beginning of my journey into this space was really through, um, a study abroad experience that I had when I was in school, I ended up living and, um, working with an organization in Dakar, Senegal, Hmm. um, when I was younger and, I was living with a family and I'd come from a background growing up in Houston, Texas and a pretty conservative, pretty religious area. Um, and that trip to Senegal, which I was living with a family and, um, it was a 98% Muslim country, which is something I'd never, um, experienced before. Um, and never really traveled outside of North America before that. And uh, it really just opened my eyes to how beautiful and rich the different cultures of the world are. And Mm. while I was doing that study abroad program, I was able to go work with an organization called 10,000 Girls. It's a Senegalese organization that was working um, to keep girls in school and then also offer uh, job skills training um, to girls in their program. And I was able to live with the family kind of outside of the city in a more rural area um, of one of the girls that was in the program and follow around their staff. And I was just really struck by not only how impressed I was with the staff and the work that they were doing and the women that worked at that organization and really gave it everything their whole life, um, but also with my host sister, um, whose name was Inde Sohna, and she was about a junior in high school. and you know, speaking, spoke two languages fluently, was learning a third, um, loved to study philosophy, knew that she wanted to go to school at Howard in the U.S. when she graduated. And I was just um, kind of, my eyes were open to the brilliance that exists in communities all over the world and um, how, as someone with access to education and resources, what I really wanted to do was um, open up those resources and the availability of those resources to more people like like this woman that I met there. Um, so that was the start of everything. And, and when I graduated, I ended up spending a lot of time teaching English and volunteering in Thailand and then came back and was really came back to San Francisco in the Bay Area and was searching for searching for my next step and ended up meeting um, meeting the founder of Mama Hope and have been involved with Mama Hope for the past six years. Amazing. And for those who don't know what Mama Hope does, can you give us a couple sentences to describe it? Sure. So at Mama Hope, we believe that there are people all across the globe who, if they had access to 
all the resources, they would completely change the world. And it's our goal to get them the funding and the support so they can do it. Um, so we find grassroots leaders across Africa, Central America, and India who are already doing incredible work in their communities um, in the areas of healthcare, education, women's empowerment, agriculture, water, entrepreneurship, kind of the whole shebang. Um, and we ask these leaders what they what they need and how we can help them achieve their goals. Mm. Um, and so we we do our programming through kind of three main ways. One is through directly funding uh, our community partner sustainable projects and supporting them with training and workshops. Um, the next way is through training the next generation of the social impact workforce through our kind of Peace Corps 2.0 fellowship program that we call the Global Advocate Program. And the third way we work with our communities is through our media campaign and our media arm, which is called Stop the Pity. And that campaign and that ethos really aims to break down negative stereotypes and to challenge traditional nonprofit marketing that emphasizes pity over uh, potential and resilience. Amazing. When in your work did story become a, a resource or an important resource for you? Yeah, um, I think one of the earliest uh, experiences I had that really made me understand how important a deeper level of storytelling was, was um, when I was working in Northern Thailand, I was um, volunteering, kind of just helping out an organization called the We Women Foundation, um, which is a Dutch organization working in Thailand. And they were, were specifically working with women um, from unrecognized refugee communities from Burma who were living in the Thai-Burma border. And the um, the goal of the organization was to raise funding and uh, help them get into higher education institutions so they could get degrees in education or community development or public health. And, uh, you know, talking to these women, most of them wanted to return those skills back into their community. Um, and we, through, I was, where I was working with We Women on some of their fundraising campaigns and some marketing and um, you know, some US based and native English speaker based, um, outreaches. And we were not, it wasn't safe for the women we worked with to use their real names or use photos of them, um, because of their legal status in Thailand. And, um, you know, that was the first time where I was like, okay, we can't do the easy thing, which is like, this is a picture, this is a name, this is a direct like, this is how you can directly connect to this woman. So um, we had to go a lot deeper. And, you know, instead of talking about the specifics in the day-to-day -day or maybe the sad story or maybe uh, what was going on in her life, we had to talk more about um, her hopes and her dreams and really try to get people connected to the work based on those kind of um, softer, but I think more, more powerful attributes um, than just the direct connection of a photo and a face and a name. Yeah. So do you feel like that's when your perspective really shifted in terms of how you capture story and, and why that's important? Yeah, I think that's when it started to. Um, I also, I had an experience of going into that organization and knowing, you know, knowing their mission, knowing the kind of work they did and being like, oh, this is heavy. Um, these, these women, you know, their situations aren't great and they've done so much for their families. And, and then I walked into a dinner, <laughs> um, that the organization was having and like, there was so much overwhelming joy 
um, in the room from these women. And, and we bonded really, really quickly. And there was just like, within minutes, everyone was laughing and sharing stories. And I just remember thinking like, oh, that was really dumb of me to assume that these people were just the saddest, you know, the saddest part on paper of their lives and that it was going to be heavy work because it really wasn't. Um, and I think that realization stuck with me. And um, when I came back to San Francisco and um, met the founder of Mama Hope, kind of through a friend of a friend, uh, I went online and looked at their um, at their videos. And I saw, you know, the story of Mama Hope, the story of the founder, there's a great video there. And then also some of the Stop the Pity, the early Stop the Pity videos. And I was just like, I remember watching these videos and being like, this is, this is it. Like, this is what I've been feeling, um, that, that storytelling can be, it needs to be. And I felt so inspired. And that's one of the things that made me really pursue working with the organization. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what drew me to it. It's so it's so interesting that the narrative, particularly in the humanitarian world, is to approach stories in, in this one dimension. And yet we as humans are such complex, multidimensional people. And totally. And it's interesting that how hard it is to work sometimes to see those multidimensions and to put value on the dimensions that don't have anything to related to our work. Right. And so I think that's yeah. what drew me is is highlighting the aspects of people through some of the Stop the Pity videos that really made me care more about what you were doing. And it's not like you necessarily laid out in detail. We do this, this and this. It was more of like a peek at the people's personality. And I just wanted to know more. Yeah. Yeah. We we actually get that a lot kind of as a criticism. <laughs> <laughs> people are like, we get it. You, we get what you like, what you believe, and who you are. But like, what do you guys do? <laughs> so I think that's a constant struggle for us. But um, but yeah, I think the, the stop the pity videos in in general, like, they aren't about what we do. We have content about what we do. Um, what we wanted people to see um, or to feel is connection. Um, and then you know maybe Google us after and find out what we do. Yeah, maybe we could we could. S- pause on that a little bit is what were what are some of the challenges that you have faced in creating something that uh kind of goes against the natural flow of what we expect in nonprofit videos yeah so um i mean one of our first our first stop the pity video is called alex presents commando and it's literally just this this little boy named alex who's now in secondary school which is crazy but um he, it's him telling us about his favorite action movie, which is uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie called Commando. It's like stereotypical kind of <laughs> cheesy action. And um, he had figured, he'd, he'd heard that we were from coming from California and knew that Arnold Schwarzenegger was our governor and then was really, really excited to share all about his favorite movie. Um, and so the movie, the video is just a side by side because he literally launched into a 25 minute perfect scene by scene reenaction reenactment of this action movie. And it just reminded us so much of like, Oh, this is like, everyone's got a son or a daughter or a niece or a student or a brother or a sister that's like this. That's like a little kid that just like really wants to share about his favorite movie. Um, and obviously it's a ultra violent American action movie. So there's a lot of, um, you know, guns and, and kind of, you know, 
violence in it, frankly. And we didn't think that that overshadowed just kind of the joy of a little boy talking about his favorite film. Um, but when that, when we were first kind of were trying to put out that video, a lot of supporters um, of Mama Hope were like, you, you can't, you can't put this out there. People are going to see a little African boy with guns and think child soldier and, and no one's going to want, you know, to support your organization. And, um, you know, I think that there's a different conversation we could have about it now, given everything that's happened with, right. um, with, uh, the March for our lives and gun violence. And I think that's something we think about a lot too, but at the time we were just like, you know, yeah, we, we hear that, but what this, what this video is about is an excited little boy that everyone could connect with. And so that's what we wanted to show. Um, and so we, we had that reaction. We also had a reaction that was like, well, you, you know, this kid doesn't look hungry. This kid doesn't look, you know, sick. Why, why would someone give to your organization? Like, there's nothing wrong with this kid. And we were like, Oh, that's, that's the point. <laughs> um, and, and I think that there are those reactions, but what we've seen overwhelmingly is that people would rather be drawn to something than repelled by it. Um, and people would rather give to an organization because they feel connection rather than give so that they can dispel guilt that they feel for having more. Um, so those are kind of two of the main reactions that we got at the beginning of the Stop the Pity campaign. Yeah, and developing a campaign like that, what approaches did you take to get both your team and your supporters on board with something like that? I think our team, you know, a lot of our team was drawn to Mama Hope because of the way that we um, that we tell stories. And uh, a lot of our supporters really were on board from the very beginning. Um, I think... What was really helpful was when the second video, um, which is called African Men Hollywood Stereotypes, came out. And that's the one that really went super viral. Um, and it's four men that we work with in Kenya um, kind of reacting to the stereotypes that Hollywood and that also other organizations have to who, like what African men are. Um, it was also kind of their response to the Coney 2012 video. I think they... Mm -hmm. They were just really sick of being portrayed as as ultraviolent warlords um, or, you know, evil, evil screaming people in like movies like Blood Diamond. Um, so they uh, they wanted to create this video that was really like throwing throwing that stereotype up into the air. And it got really, really, really popular. And then in 2014, it got it, it went viral again. Um, but this time because someone uh, like a social media influencer in, in West Africa, I think had shared it and it was getting so many shares from all over the continent. Mm -hmm. And that's when we were really like, this is I think proof beyond proof that this campaign really still resonates um, because it was being shared so widely um, within the continent of Africa. Um, and so I, and even there was a group of friends in Uganda that did a cover of it that we found online. <laughs> uh, and so we really loved seeing that. And I think that that really reinforced for us that this campaign, um, not only like had legs, but, um, was resonating with, with the people that we really wanted it to resonate with. Yeah. I think making content that does that is challenging. And how, how do you approach starting a new film like that one that you're using as an example? How do you approach it? How do you begin to engage with 
the people you're working with and creating what that should look like? What are Mm -hmm. some of the steps you take? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I think, um, everyone's always trying to figure out what the magic of a viral video is. And if I knew I would tell everybody, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, but, uh, what, what we've always found is that we get the best content when the communities we work with are the people that drive it a hundred percent. Um, we've, we've tried to create videos, um, that we, that were ideas we thought of that we scripted and, and those didn't do so well. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think whenever we've just been open and had open lines of communication with the communities we work with who all know about stop the pity and, you know, are in a lot of the videos. Um, and they, they feel like they have the, the voice and the power and the ability to talk to us and be like, well, this is what we want people to know about us. Um, so that's really how the third video in the series, um, which is called the women of Niamonge present netball. That's how that one came about. So in this, community in Kenya where we work, where the African men Hollywood stereotypes video was created. Um, the women that work that we work with kind of approached us and were like, well, so here's the thing you, you guys are called mama hope and all your videos are about men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where's the video about women? And we were like, that's very fair. <laughs> um, that's very fair. But would you guys want a video to be created about? And, um, and they were like netball. And we were like, what is that? <laughs> um, and they were like, well, you know, no one in the U S knows one knows what netball is. I think, you know, that's not the most popular sport being played in the U S I didn't know what it was before. Um, and two, know how important it is to us and how we use it as a way to build community, um, and build pride in, in who we are and who our community is in this group of women. Um, and so they drove that entire netball video, um, which I, is my personal favorite of the collection. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I think really it's just the, 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 what we found at least is that letting, having the communities in the driver's seat from the very beginning um, has led to the most success when it comes to our media and our videos. Yeah. To kind of take it back a little bit for, say you're talking to an organization that hasn't in the past been able to engage with the community or just hasn't done it, how would you begin that conversation and trying to get engagement on the ground with the stories that are being told? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I would say that, you know, the, the trusting relationship is the first step. Um, because if you don't actually like if you're not vulnerable yourself with the communities that you're working with, like as the organization and and also when you're not connecting on a personal level mm-hmm. with the people that you work with that you're trying to serve, um, it's really hard. Katrina, take again. Hello. Hi. Sorry, my battery's Hi. on my audio recorder just died in the middle of your sentence, so I had to... <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. So I'm actually going to take you back to that question one more time and ask, like, what are some first steps a nonprofit can take in engaging the community locally to be part of storytelling? Sure. Um, That's a really great question. I think um, the first step is really just building up a personal relationship and a personal dialogue and trust with the communities that you're working with. Um, We... 
you know, a lot of, most of our staff at Mama Hope has spent time living with um, the community members um, and just really kind of sinking into and, and learning from firsthand, like the work that our community partners are doing. Um, and I think once you're able to build up some really authentic trust and dialogue and also vulnerability um, on the side of the organization, then you create space um, for you guys to talk about ideas together. Um, and I would say that even something that, you know, we, we do all the time when we work with our communities about the photos that we take or the videos that we're taking or the blogs we're writing or whatever is to be like, you know, we, we really want you to be at the front of every put out there and, um, you know, ask, just asking. I think the first step is always just asking, um, and, and creating an open space, um, for, for a dialogue to begin and then working from there. Amazing. Do you guys have a set of values you seek to adhere to every time you're creating a film, writing, you know, a blog or a newsletter or taking a photo? Yeah, um, they aren't written down, which they should be. <laughs> uh, that, that's actually something that our team is working on right now is kind of a stop the video manifesto, which yeah. is a little overdue. But um, I'd say that the guiding principle for for our work is um, is one making sure that everybody is, has dignity and that people the 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 people in the film are speaking and that they are active participants in not only um, the content, but also the content creation um, instead of kind of being objectified. Um, but I think the, the easiest question I always ask myself is how is this person or how is this community going to feel when they see this or when they read this? Um, and because most of them do and will. <laughs> and um, that really helps me kind of re- re uh re level like level out and if i if i put myself in their shoes and think like what what feelings am i going to have how am i going to feel about my work how am i going to feel about my community when i read this and if it's not good then we wouldn't put it up yeah that's amazing those are good principles to live by <laughs> yeah well yeah and I, I um i think that there's always this tension uh, in in the Stop the Bitty work. And I do a lot of work with our global advocate fellows. Um, our, our fellows are always working in the field with our partners. And so I do a lot of work with them on, on Stop the Pity. And I think one of the things that I hear from them a lot is that, well, they get really, really anxious about um, saying anything negative or um, really expressing any problems in the community or any struggles people are going through because they're worried that they'll fall into this kind of like pity trap. Mm -hmm. And one thing I always try and emphasize with them is like, stop the pity is not about sugarcoating. Um, obviously the reason organizations and nonprofits and causes exist is because there are big problems in the world that we're all trying to solve together. Um, but when, when, we do want to tell a story about or uh, a difficult situation or even a tragedy that has been that that someone or a community has gone through we try and emphasize on the other end the resilience of that community and what they're doing to overcome and really try to lead with that instead of just um instead of just talking about the struggle um 
yeah, sorry, I got into a little bit of a tangent on that one, but I really like talking about that. <laughs> no, I love that. I personally, that's the way I like to approach storytelling as well. And would you guys be willing to share that manifesto with the community when you develop it? Yeah, we'd love to. Um, we're we're in the middle now of figuring out what the next evolution of Stop the Pity really can be. I think we'll always we'll always be making videos and creating content, but I think what we have have seen through <clears throat> through working with you guys at Sai that's out of Norway, um, they are a really awesome organization that has a um, a media arm called Radiate where they do a lot of really funny spoof videos and they're really rejecting poverty porn in a hilarious way. Um, we've seen that there's so many people and organizations dedicated to this mission. And what we really want to do in the future is, you know, create that manifesto and then use it to guide um, a an online platform where we can curate content and, and discussion about, about Stop the Pity and just really feature all the amazing work and content and videos and blogs that are being put out by organizations all around the world and communities all around the world. So that'll all be hopefully coming at the end of the year, but uh, the manifesto is kind of the first step in that. So we'd love to share as soon as we have that written. Well, we'd love to see it. And we'd also love to help in sharing in that with you as much as we can. We we would love to 100%. be a tool and resource. Yeah, definitely. So for a nonprofit that is maybe just trying to dip their toe in shifting the way they're crafting and capturing story, what words of encouragement would you give them from your experience? Yeah, I would say um, from from our experience. And also, I just want to include that we've messed up so many times. I personally have messed up so many times. Um, I, I go back and read blogs that I wrote, um, from, you know, when I was studying abroad or when I was first at Mama Hope or, uh, photos that we've used, you know, we work, it's a constant learning process. So like, don't, don't be afraid to mess up. And then also just admit when you do, um, I think the, the most important thing that a, like a young organization can know is that we're all going to mess up and that it's okay to be vulnerable because that's being authentic. Um, but I would also say that what we've found is that even though, you know, ethical storytelling and, and committing to telling, um, telling a more robust and nuanced story about the communities you work with, it can be harder. It's probably going to be more expensive. It's probably going to take longer. You're probably not going to be able to share something you really want or that you think could really engage your support network because it's, you know, because the community doesn't want it. But it's so worth it because you attract the right kind of people. Um, you know, we, we attract global advocates who want to join our fellowship. We attract donors, we attract partner organizations so much because they resonate with the media that we put out there. Um, so I would say, you know, just as words of encouragement, like you're going to be building the community that you want based on the media and the storytelling that you do. Um, so it's, definitely going to be worth it in the end because you'll be surrounded by people that believe what you believe. That's amazing advice. And is there anything else that you weren't able to share in the webinar or in our conversation this far that you'd want to share with the community? Oh, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I don't, I don't think I talked about this much in the webinar, but um, as a result of the, of the Stop the Pity videos, um, you know, we started getting uh, lots and lots of emails and calls and, and outreach from different storytellers and photographers and uh, videographers and bloggers and writers wondering how they could get involved with our work. So um, as a result of that, and also kind of out of the fellowship, we created a hybrid program that's our media residency. So um, through our media residency, we partner with incredible, passionate storytellers who want to get the experience of going out and working with communities and um, gathering authentic stories and learning from community partners. Um, and so we we basically pair our partners with our media residents who then go in the field and, and together they co-create um, beautiful works of art. You know, so far we've done documentary and photojournalism products and projects and blogging and we're, um, we're really trying to expand and grow that program right now. So um, I am always on the lookout to connect with um, more incredible heart-led storytellers who want to dive in deep with community work. Um, so that's a thing that I'm kind of plugging right now is our media yeah. residency. And how would people um, learn more about that and find a way to apply? Yeah, head to our website. Um, there is under media kind of a tab that has the media residency and some information there. And then you can also just email me directly at katrina at mamahope.org. Um, we'll be looking for a new media resident to work with in the fall. Um, and I'm also, you know, we have a, a large network of partner organizations that also are constantly looking for incredible people. So I'm always happy to be just like a connector and a reference point um, to anybody that's looking to do amazing storytelling work. Terrific. And your website is mamahope.org, right? Yes, mamahope.org. Thanks. Perfect. Just to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we love what you're doing and how Mama Hope is being a leader and showing us a new way of storytelling. And I just hope that people continue to see the work that you're doing, get involved, and we'll, I'll definitely be sending any storytellers I come across your way because I just really believe in, in what you're doing and how you're approaching it. Thank you. And same to you guys. We're so happy to be connected and to be working together on this. And I also just wanted to quickly shout out one more organization who has really incredible things to say about this topic. Um, I think I already shouted out Cy Norway, who we're partnered with. Um, and I also would love everyone to go check out the organization Thousand Currents. They do incredible work in movement making and activism and grassroots development. Um, but their communications director is a woman named Jennifer Lentfer, and she has a blog called How Matters, where she talks about all of the stuff in, in really, in, has incredible, insightful um, opinions about all of it. And she's someone we definitely look to um, as well on this topic. So just wanted to give them a shout quickly too. Yeah, perfect. And um, I'll email you and get the, that information in email, and we'll just include it in the show overview so people have it in the text awesome. as well. Cool. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for giving me your time. I really appreciate it and always love chatting with you and hearing more about what you're doing. So can't wait to see what's next. Yeah, I will definitely keep you posted. Um, and thank you so much, Heidi. It's been awesome to yeah. chat.
Yeah, same. All right. Well, enjoy your weekend. Yeah, you too. Good luck on all your travels. Thank you. <laughs> Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye.